Welcome to The Thing About Austin, a podcast about Jane Austen's world. I'm Zan. And I'm Diane. And this episode, we're talking about Queen Mab. So this week, we are headed back to Devon to visit with the Dashwood ladies at Barton Cottage. Marianne and Willoughby are in the thick of their romance, and Willoughby has informed Marianne that he plans to gift her a horse. And Marianne is excitedly sharing this news with Eleanor. And here it comes from the text. Marianne told her with the greatest delight that Willoughby had given her a horse, one that he had bred himself on his estate in Somersetshire, and which was exactly calculated to carry a woman. Without considering that it was not in her mother's plan to keep any horse, that if she were to alter her resolution in favor of this gift, she must buy another for the servant and keep a servant to ride it, and, after all, build a stable to receive them, she had accepted the present without hesitation and told her sister of it in raptures. And then after this, there is a conversation that goes on between the two sisters. Eleanor convinces Marianne that the gift isn't practical. And then when Marianne declines the gift, Willoughby responds with this. But Marianne, the horse is still yours, though you cannot use it now. I shall keep it only till you can claim it. When you leave Barton to form your own establishment in a more lasting home, Queen Mab shall receive you. Oh, Willoughby. Willoughby, Willoughby. We are going to break this down into three different categories for discussion, because there is a lot going on in the Mm -hmm. scene. So first, we will discuss the practicalities and cost of horse maintenance, which Eleanor is very conscious of in the passage that we just read. Second, we will discuss the social improprieties of the gift, which again, Eleanor can spot right away, but Marianne resists. And finally, we will talk about the significance of the horse's name, Queen Mab, and the illusion Austin is drawing upon. So to start out, let's talk about the cost of a horse. In the passage we read, the narrator points out some very specific reasons why accepting this gift is a non-starter, which really, it just all boils down to budget. The Dashwoods do not have the money to stable and maintain a horse. Marianne is pretty resistant to these budgeting concerns when Eleanor presents them to her. Quote, As to an additional servant, the expense would be a trifle. Mama, she was sure, would never object to it, and any horse would do for him. He might always get one at the park. As to a stable, the merest shed would be sufficient. (laughs) So, no problem. We'll just shove the horse out in some shed, and the groom can just ride whatever kind of sad horse they can get. (laughs) Not a problem. And while I do admire Marianne's ability to just overcome obstacles with a wave of her hand, you know, it is kind of endearing. Let's take a closer look at the kind of financial constraints that the Dashwoods are operating under. And we looked at multiple sources for our figures and sort of took an average. But obviously, keep in mind that prices are not fixed. And there's a lot of variety depending on location of the purchase, the specifics of the horse, etc. So Mrs. Dashwood has an annual income of 500 pounds. While that is a far cry from abject poverty, I mean, the Dashwoods in the grand scheme of things, are doing just Mm -hmm. fine. 
it is still a significant decrease in fortune from what they were used to at Norland Park. So Willoughby's offer of a horse is undoubtedly a generous gift. The cost of a horse in the early 19th century varied widely depending on the horse's age, functionality, and breeding. But a decent saddle horse would run, let's say, around 50 pounds, although they could be less and certainly be much, much more. But 50 pounds is a solid baseline, I think, for this particular situation. So at 50 pounds, and again, it could be more at 50 pounds for this horse, that's one-tenth of the Dashwood's annual income. (laughs) So this is a very expensive gift. And we're highlighting the cost of the horse, not to give Willoughby points or anything, but because it's relevant later when we discuss the inappropriateness of the gift, part of which is due to the fact that it is so costly. And carriage horses, elite hunters, etc. That's a whole other thing entirely, some of which we did discuss in our Tattersalls episode, if you're curious about that. Sure. So just this upfront cost that Willoughby is, is providing with this horse, that's, you know, that's the 50 pounds. But to maintain a horse, you would have to factor in food, stabling, farrier bills, tack, and a groom. Furthermore, women during this era would also need a riding habit and other accessories. So that's at least two full riding habits for Marianne and Eleanor, at least. Assuming if, you know, Marianne lets Eleanor borrow the horse like she says she's going to. Like she says she will, yes. (laughs) Could really turn into like a a Mary Crawford, Fanny (laughs) kind of situation. Fanny Price situation, yes. And according to Jill Ottman's article, a woman never looks better than on horseback. These expenditures would all have added up to an initial out-of-pocket cost of somewhere around 175 pounds. After purchasing a horse, you would expect to spend between 75 pounds and 100 pounds a year to feed and maintain the animal, its tack, and your outfits. So if we are subtracting the cost of the horse, since it's a gift from Willoughby, the upfront cost is decreased. However, the Dashwoods would still have to build a stable from scratch, They would also be required to budget for a second horse in addition to the salary for the groom or servant to ride it. So you're now looking at a stable, you are looking at an additional servant, Mm -hmm. you are looking at an additional horse, and then all of the feed and care costs that would be associated with two horses. Exactly. Yeah. And just as an aside, we do plan to do an entire episode on horseback riding, so... I'll rein it in here. <laughs> and I'm not sorry about that pun. I mean, there's nothing to apologize for. <laughs> All this is to say that Willoughby's approximately 50 pound gift, so generous, so kind of mm, you, Willoughby, mm-hmm. would actually end up costing the Dashwoods roughly 100 pounds a year, which is one fifth of their annual income. And that's not including those upfront startup costs of building a stable. Yeah. <laughs> building an additional building. Super nice gift, Willoughby. Super thoughtful. So now, aside from the financial reasons that Marianne can't accept the horse as a gift, there are social reasons as well. In the novel, quote, Eleanor then ventured to doubt the propriety of her, Marianne, receiving such a present from a man so little or at least so lately known to her. This, again, meets with a quick dismissal from Marianne. She points out, I should hold myself guilty of greater impropriety in accepting a horse from my brother than from Willoughby. 
Of John, I know very little, though we have lived together for years. But of Willoughby, my judgment has long been formed. I mean, actually, I think you know John pretty well. Right. Not anything positive, but you do know him. But you do well. know him. <laughs> I love the sort of viewpoint that we get from Eleanor. Eleanor thought it wisest to touch that point no more. <laughs> she can see that she's not going to be able to change Marianne's no. mind. Using impropriety as a reason for her to not accept the horse is not going to be a successful argument. Yeah. But there are real social constraints as to what is considered a proper gift between a man and a woman who are not formally engaged during this period. Items that would be considered deeply personal, like articles of clothing, or very expensive, like, oh, I don't know, a horse, would definitely raise eyebrows. One of the reasons this kind of gift giving is an issue is that it creates an implied obligation to the gift giver from the person receiving the gift. Mm -hmm. According to Lauren Willwording's article, Amatory Gifts in Sense and Sensibility, quote, if Marianne accepts the horse, she is obligated to make a return gift, and as she cannot likely afford to reciprocate in kind, she will remain in Willoughby's debt. And this concept of indebtedness becomes a very slippery slope. Since Marianne would be theoretically indebted to Willoughby, and she can never repay him in kind, there could be social implications that she is therefore indebted to him on a more personal level. The deeply problematic social assumption of this era would be that a woman must be paying back this obligation with her body. Which, to be clear, a person's body is never something someone can earn a right to through obligation, but... That was certainly and unfortunately the reality of the society that Marianne is living in. And this is something that Eleanor is clearly very aware of. Definitely, yeah. So this gift of a horse makes Eleanor rightfully nervous from a social perspective, even before we learn that Willoughby is an absolute toad and predator, mm -hmm. because Willoughby is likely aware that Marianne can't accept this horse for the practical reasons we've already pointed out. And he is also certainly aware of the fact that from a social standpoint, this is really not the done thing. Yeah. This is kind of just a grand gesture to kind of almost create an indebtedness. And even after she has to decline the gift, he builds in a sense of obligation to the gift when he tells her that the horse is still hers. And he says, when you leave Barton to form your own establishment in a more lasting home, Queen Mab shall receive you. He is not above forging intimacy and obligation into the relationship through this gift. And I think also in a way here, sort of kind of like hinting at her, when you leave to form your own establishment, and maybe it will be our establishment together. Mm -hmm. Like He's not saying that to her. In no way is he actually formally proposing. But certainly to somebody like Marianne, that is how she is going to hear it. Absolutely. And he knows that. And he knows it. Exactly. So now let's talk about the significance of the reference to Queen Mab, the name of the horse in this scene. Queen Mab is a fairy queen from William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. In Act 1, Scene 4, Mercutio and Romeo have an exchange that leads into Mercutio's soliloquy on Queen Mab. And here's just a small segment from that exchange, and you are welcome to our Reader's Theatre of Shakespeare for this moment. I shall be playing Romeo tonight. And I shall be Mercutio. You are all very welcome to this experience. Here we go. I dreamt a dream tonight. And so did I. Well, what was yours? That dreamers often lie. 
in bed asleep while they do dream things true. Oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. She is the fairy's midwife, and she comes in shape no bigger than an agate stone on the forefinger of an alderman, drawn with a team of little atomi. Mercutio goes on to explain that Queen Mab visits people in their dreams and grants them what they want most, specifically pointing out that, quote, she gallops night by night through lovers' brains and then they dream of love, which initially sounds pretty delightful, but then... Wait for it. <laughs> Mercutio continues, and things take a bit of a turn. So Queen Mab turns these dreams into nightmares, and the soliloquy ends with this kind of, this vivid description. So again, this is Mercutio. This is that very Mab that plats the manes of horses in the night, which once untangled much misfortune bodes. This is the hag when maids lie on their backs that presses them and learns them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. This is she. Why is this reference important? According to Christine Jones's article on fairy tales, their sensitive characters and the sensible readers they create, to Marianne, the gift of Queen Mab, quote, represents an idealized future and a dream of sensual pleasure the pleasure to ride freely with her sister, and the happiness of receiving and accepting something from Willoughby, akin to receiving and accepting his hand. So it's like Marianne understands this gift only from the first half of the soliloquy, a dream of love for lovers. She sees her passion and love for Willoughby culminating in marriage and a happy ending, and the two of them in their own establishment in a more lasting home, as Willoughby says to her. Yeah. And he's giving her all the signals that she should be believing in that. But if we look at this literary illusion a bit more closely, we see that Austin is actually embedding some pretty predatory references here. Notice that in the last part of the soliloquy that we read, Mab weaves misfortune into the mane of a horse, hmm, like Willoughby's gift here. And the passage implies that the misfortune is an unexpected and potentially harmful pregnancy. And that is not Marianne's fate. It is, however, the fate of Colonel Brandon's ward, Eliza, when Willoughby seduces and then abandons her. Mm -hmm. So the name of the horse in Sense and Sensibility is actually a really densely packed literary illusion that essentially warns us that Willoughby is bad news long before we know exactly why. Yeah, it's it's this really fabulous little illusion, you know, that you have to kind of unpack the entire scene in Shakespeare to get the fact that, yeah, Willoughby, hmm, this is not going to go well if Queen Mab is what his romantic gesture is looking like. Exactly. So this scene and Queen Mab get screen time in the 2008 adaptation of Sense and Sensibility. So Willoughby actually brings the horse to Marianne and Eleanor, and they have to have this awkward conversation on the spot, like Eleanor trying to be like, "Mm." We do not have a place to put this horse (laughs) that is standing in front of me right now. Yes, yes. And then, you know, and, and Marianne is just so elated. She's so excited. And then Willoughby is sitting there being smarmy and being like, oh, Queen Mab, she'll receive you. And it's just, it's really awkward. It fits really well in this adaptation to bring Queen Mab onto screen because this particular adaptation also works hard from the outset 
to depict Willoughby as a seducer. There is something more impactful when you're watching it on screen, like seeing him actually show up with the horse and Eleanor is just like, where are we going to put this horse? You know, (laughs) it's yeah, it's a it's a very awkward scene. And so I I love that it actually does get screen time in one of the adaptations because it really makes you squirm a bit because you can see Eleanor immediately being like, no, 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 we are not doing this. No, thank you. Yeah. Well, if you would like to tell us a tale of your favorite gift horse, you can <laughs> find us on Instagram at the thing about Austin and on Twitter at Austin underscore things. You can also check out our website, thethingaboutaustin.com and email us at thethingaboutaustin at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our next episode where we will be talking about Roma in the novel Emma with guest Amanda Ray Prescott. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.